Welcome to Woven Conversations. I'm your host, Michelle Meinhardt. This is a series of conversations I have with my friends, each with a unique perspective. Today, I got to talk to my friend, the Reverend Anna Giozzi, and we had a long conversation about what it means to have a body, what that means to our spirits, and what it meant to be empowered to live in these bodies the way we want to. I hope you enjoy episode five, The House We Live In. Hi, Anna. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for coming today. You are welcome. I have been thrilled to have all these conversations with a variety of people, just friends who have a different maybe perspective or life experience or generally it's just people I really like to talk to. And so we put microphones in front of us and now we get to have the same conversation. It's good because I really like to talk. You're in a good profession for that then. I am. So since you get to talk for a living every Sunday. I do, but only one hour per week because, you know, that's all pastors work. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, I was thrilled to have you come on and just talk about anything. But before we get started, uh, there's so much I could say about you to people who are listening. Um, We can start with what you do for a living. That's interesting. You have a family in Columbus. That's also interesting. Uh, But I think I'm just going to give you a few like quick questions where we get your like automatic answer and then maybe people who are listening might be like oh she's like that too or just find something interesting to connect with you you ready for this let's do it okay don't think all right what's the podcast or book that you last recommended to others the confessional by nadia boltz weber it's a book it's a podcast oh the podcast okay Mm -hmm. yes i've i've listened to a couple episodes i I dream of having her write me a blessing that but I'm the I best don't, part of the podcast, hands down. I don't yep. think I'm screwed up enough for her to do that. So maybe mm. I just need to screw up in my life a little bit more. <laughs> Careful what you ask for. <laughs> uh, it's a Sunday afternoon. What are you doing? Sleeping. Long nap with a dog? Um, I have a napping hierarchy. Okay. If it's a couch nap, that's like level one. Okay. And it ranks up of where the blanket is and are your jammies on. Okay. Sunday afternoon naps usually merit jammies on under the covers in bed, oh, which is like four levels higher high than yeah. still in your jeans on the couch nap. So I take well napping very done. seriously. Good job. Uh, that makes me like you even more. I love a good nap. Jesus took naps. For sure. Lots of them. For sure. Well, if you weren't a pastor, what would you, what you'd likely be a... Honestly, a truck stop waitress. Like... I just dream of having something that focuses on keeping coffee cups full and having short interactions with people. And I'm used to trucker culture. That's how I was raised. Oh, that's fun. And I really dream of having a job. I love what I do, but I dream of having a job where once you clock out, you're just done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get that. Okay. If you wrote a book on your life experiences, what would it be called? That's funny because I'm currently trying to title a thesis which might become a book. Okay. Um, ooh, it would be Keep Your Hands Off My Body and Your Opinions to Yourselves. Ooh, that's a gripping title. You should write that. Yeah, academia doesn't think that's a really compelling title for a thesis, but I think it would look really good on a cover. It would look good on a cover. So we'll down. see. Yep. yep. Okay. And family, what is that to you? Um, family primarily are the things that live in my house. Um, my spouse is Garrett and he's pretty spectacular. We've been married almost 13 years and, 
Um, we have a nearly six-year-old carbon copy of myself, a small human who is so incredibly frustrating and so awesome all at the same time. <laughs> I love it. Uh, fantastic. Well, thank you. That's just a brief little introduction. I like all of those answers. Thanks. So, so did you happen to bring any questions to flip the tables at me? I did. Um, you know, Michelle, we've known each other for a long while, and I have loved watching you grow your own personal yoga practice and make that a business. Um, but I have such vivid memories of having conversations with um, my parents when I was younger, mm -hmm. and um, yoga was definitely not a thing that we were allowed to even think about doing because it was not Christian. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so one of the things I have loved watching you grow your personal practice is integrating your faith and your practice of yoga. So what have you found to be, from your practice of yoga, the relationship between our bodies and our spirits? Ooh, that's good. And that's deep. Um, we just go right in. Yeah, you, I, there's no there's no like warm up there. Um, no. Let's see. The uh, connection between our bodies and our spirits. Well... In a sense, the spirit, a person's spirit, the spirit, however you want to begin to talk about things, needs a container. And so getting to know your body as a way of holding that and honoring like, oh, I actually am a container for something very, very valuable. And so how I view my body, how I treat it, what I do begins to shift just a little bit. And the two are so interconnected. It's like you can't have, how do I want to say this? It's the relationship between a family and a home, not just the house that you sometimes, whatever, you know, visit. And, but it's you live there and it's integrated. It's deeply connected because when you think back to your childhood and you think of memories of your family, it's deeply connected to the actual home that you were in as well. And I feel like that's a little bit of a, a relationship when it comes to like body and spirit, that this is the home that all those memories begin to happen in. And this is the home that a spirit will inhabit for your life. And so we want to sometimes, I feel like in the spiritual world, Christianity in, in my experience, doesn't like to really talk about the body a whole lot. A lot of times it gets a really bad rap, like, oh, no, you shouldn't listen to that. It's going to tell you to do terrible things. But in actuality, it has so much good information to tell us. And when we get broken off from that, we're just missing the way that the spirit can move through our bodies rather than our bodies being something that you have to shut down in order to be whatever the goal might be worthy. So... Yeah, and in some of what I'm learning in um, my practice of ministry, coming out of um, a tradition where bodies were um, set aside and mm -hmm. things like sex was bad, and mm -hmm. but only until you're married. Once mm -hmm. you're married, bam, it's good. good. Do it all mm -hmm. the time. Uh huh. Um, but we had in in Christian upbringing such an interesting relationship with our bodies, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so specifically women's bodies. Absolutely. So I feel like there's a little bit of like history to even dig in there that eh, the women's body was really problematic, mm -hmm. especially since I knew you when you were a youth. We had to talk about a lot of things as it related to young girls and bodies, because there was a way of directing that conversation that was really specific. Um, and what was good and what was bad and what was right and what was wrong. 
So when you talk about our bodies as the containers for Mm -hmm. our spirits, Mm -hmm. does our spirit ever spill out of that container? Like if I'm talking about my coffee cup as the container for my Uh coffee. Yeah. My coffee can spill out of it. Yeah. And it's a mess. Uh Uh-huh. What happens if, or do you believe that mm-hmm. your spirit can mm. spill out of your body? Oh, I think so. Body. So the poet John O'Donohue, he's a Celtic poet uh, who has recently passed. He writes about how your, your soul, maybe another word for spirit, may, some people will differentiate, some people do not, um, actually lives on the outside and it inhabits your body. And so that was like a mind twister when I was starting to read and think through that. But there's this whole element of like, oh, there's parts of you on the outside of your body that you sense and feel and know. Like those lewd stares like get to a person. Like you can feel that in a way, even though they never touch you. So what is it about the presence on the outside of your body that is also yours and I guess part of the container even, but the spirit kind of, um, I'm not going to say that the, the boundaries kind of move easily is what I'll say. I don't know. That's been my experience. And it's still something I'm working through, especially the more poetry I read. <laughs> I think poetry now more than ever has such a place in our lives and we need to be uh-huh. attentive to artists and poets. Oh my these gosh. Days. Poets yeah. and prophets. I yeah. feel like they're all the same, but they're not all the same, but I mean, those people, Uh, do very very similar work is what I'll say right yeah so a lot of um a lot of what I understand the practice of yoga is is learning to you know ground yourself in a space and in your own body Mm -hmm. and that's very similar language to what I use as far as embodiment Mm -hmm. just making sure that I'm fully inhabiting everything and when I say body Mm -hmm. I understand an integration of body and spirit Mm -hmm. but not everybody knows how to fully integrate those parts of themselves yeah Yeah. Um, and I even think to say that they're separate parts is probably a misnomer but what does embodiment mean to you embodiment Uh, I would say it's very similar to what you're talking about like it's the practice of living in your body so we have a body like we possess a body but there comes a point in time when you decide that that is the place from which you live it's where you start and end your day is in your body and fully connected to it. So there's lots of ways of living. And I feel like our culture really supports a disembodied way of living. It's very easy to live in your thoughts, in your mind, um, virtually. So much of our life is virtual right now that we we can completely forget what it's like to have a body because all of our work is done from the neck up on a Zoom call. And so um, so in, to be embodied to me is just the practice of living in your body and inviting your body to be a part of the whole thing rather than like an afterthought or a vehicle. Yeah. And in this season of life being even more virtual, one of the things I miss most in my practice of ministry is the Mm -hmm. embodied parts of it. Oh, for Um, sure. You know, to baptize a baby and not touch her. I mean, like normally my practice of ministry is on the day a baby's getting baptized. The first thing I do when a family walks in is I scoop that baby up and make sure that baby is comfortable being held by me. Yeah. And I didn't do that. So from the get go, even mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. outside of the worship mm-hmm. service mm-hmm. to be disembodied from the relationship. Yeah. Was so mind blowing and challenging. And and I truly miss serving people communion. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, 
the hygienic way to do communion right now, I think is lacking and to even do virtual communion. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to practice it, but what I miss is yeah. tearing off a piece of bread and, and putting it in a person's hand and looking them in the eyes yeah. in very close proximity and saying, this is the body of Christ yeah. given for you. It's a very physical practice. Right. And, and we're going to know how much we need those practices. Right. And I think that's why, um, the way that I've seen you practice yoga has been so, um, uplifting to me in that, you know, for a person who identifies as Christian, the, the thing that I identify most is that God was embodied. Mm -hmm. God was incarnate in the person of Jesus. And so for us to try to separate our body and our spirit, I think is actually in the language I use Mm anti-Christian, um, and I think part of that is coming from um, a raging against what I was taught growing up <laughs> from a variety of people and places. It's not yeah. that anything that I learned growing up was inherently bad. Yeah. But yeah. to learn how to recognize the gift of my body to the journey in my mm-hmm. Christian faith is something that I didn't learn. Yeah, for sure. That's what I think took me to yoga was the embodiment part of it all connecting to my faith because... I, I know that there's a saying out there that we are Easter people when you are of the Christian faith, but I've secretly disagreed. I'm like, no, no, I'm a Christmas person. And it's not because I need lights and trees. The story of a God that comes to earth through a woman at, with a body, like right here in the midst of it all, like that just changes everything if you ask me and so every every Christmas I get all weepy I think I was pregnant at Christmas one year and that really tipped the scales towards loving the Christmas story even more but it changes the way you experience anything for your spiritual belief if you start to really look at well what do I believe to be true about a body is it important or is it not does it doesn't matter but it's central to a at least four books in the bible (laughs) but I'd say all yeah, absolutely all. I mean, there's a whole book about yeah. crazy analogies for our body in the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. And, you know, lamb, your breasts are lambs. And, yeah, yes. It's crazy. Read Song of Solomon. It's a ton of fun. Yes. I wonder, too, if you have found that there's a relationship then between practicing embodiment and the way that you feel empowered in your own body. Oh, for sure. Because once you start living in your body you recognize that it is yours and you get to make decisions about it. You get to decide, you get to work with your body and um, it changes the ways that you make decisions about almost about anything. I feel like when you, I don't have a better way of saying it. When you live in your body and truly inhabit it again, it's, I would treat it almost like a house that when it's yours, you get to decide what color of paint you want to put on the walls and what makes you most comfortable to look at day in and day out in terms of what you enjoy. And so you don't have somebody making those decisions for you. And so in in that general description of what it, uh, to be empowered means, I feel like being in your body is one of the easiest ways. Because once you start to recognize the ways that we're disempowered, and its connection to your body, then reclaiming it becomes completely different. And this might be an 
inappropriate read on the practice of yoga, but what I've seen in sort of the North American culture mm-hmm. of yoga is that it's a majority women mm-hmm. who are practicing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because so often women are told that, and not told explicitly, but enculturated mm-hmm. to think that they have to separate themselves from their bodies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, things like, well, you can't wear a tank top on a youth retreat because you might make a boy get a boner. Yeah. Yes. It's your fault. There's it's lots your body's about owning fault. your own self and your own decisions that that your body is not inherently bad. This is something that you live in. And so I actually did a practice not too long ago. And um, there's some really great science out there about the art of shaking um, to reset the nervous system and help deal with stress. And so we started our practice with a lot of shaking and I led them through all of the parts. And there was a part where I was just like, shake. I said, you got to get into your inner Beyonce. Like you just got to go let, like let everything shake. And um, one of my friends made a comment. She's like, Oh, I'm working through a lot of, of how I feel about my body right now. And I was like, well, keep digging. You're okay. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to shake your body specifically because we're trying to alleviate stress and our body is the easiest pathway to do that. And so, but there's messages ingrained in us that says you shouldn't move in that direction, no matter how beneficial it might be for you. Right. And everything around us reinforces that, whether it's you have to have a bra on so Mm -hmm. that your breasts don't move or you have to um, wear shapewear so that your your Mm -hmm. tummy doesn't poke out Mm -hmm. in the wrong place Mm -hmm. or you have to cross your legs on an airplane so that the man next to you can cannot cross his legs. I mean, Man spreading is a thing. Let's <laughs> let's be real. Yes. It's totally there's, real. There's a lot of uh, learned habits of what it means to be a woman in our society. And I do think that just even posing the question, because I do think it's really empowering to decide, I do like certain parts of femininity that, and I want to do that. Like it's, but it's the decision we're making. I think that's where I started really working through how it was to feel what it meant to be empowered as a woman was when I had four kids and I was a stay-at-home mom because there were lots of things that I did um, in that work that I thought I'm choosing this because I want to and I love it, not because I have to and I'm not conforming. And I just began to realize like, well, how many things am I not choosing? What do I love? What do I like? What do I enjoy? And there's so many elements that you're just somewhat told. I loved my life at that point, but I would never tell a woman that she needed to trade a career for folding socks. It's just not okay to say that this is what has to be done. So the art of being able to choose it because of how it feels, because it works in your life, because it, it meshes with your soul. Like sometimes I think just our spirits will tell us what it is that we want and we can listen, but our bodies are one of the ways that we can listen to the spirit. So what have you found happens to your body in particular when you don't listen to your spirit or the spirit Uh as a Christian minded Mm -hmm. person might think? So what happens to my body when I don't listen? Well, pretty much it all just shuts down. Um, so mine will speak through symptoms of anxiety. Uh, A lot of times I won't listen to my body And I'll only listen to my mind and my mind will tell some really great stories. I have got a storyteller, I call her Phyllis, who lives in my brain and just creates some things to get me all worked up about. And then that anxiety will just wreak havoc through my body and I will all kinds of things get dizzy. (laughs) I like there's So there'll be like physical manifestations of, of issues when I just have to stop and listen. 
I can tell ahead of time, like, oh, you know, you might be telling some stories. Maybe you should just breathe and not listen to everything that's going on in your mind right now. And the body will take me back to where I need to be. It's one of the best guides back to calmness is by listening to my body. So does any of that make it into your thesis? Almost all of that makes it into my thesis. And um, I'm specifically studying the ways that women in the practice of vocational ministry don't get full autonomy over their bodies and how um, many people feel as though they have rights over their female pastor's body that they don't have over a similarly stationed male pastor. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, me either. (laughs) (laughs) But it's things like um, in one of the clergy women's Facebook groups that I'm in, um, we kind of have a joke where if you're going to preach something controversial, get your hair cut the day before because nobody will listen to your sermon then anyway. Okay, totally had that happen to me. I preached a sermon and somebody came back to the pastor and was like, Michelle touched her bangs too much. Mm -hmm. She needs to just pin those back. And I was like, well, I definitely said something that mattered then. I have a pair of (laughs) earrings that distracted from a really powerful sermon on social justice because, quote, I thought they looked like fishing lures. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 And and those are some of the tame comments. It's, It's sometimes people coming forward for communion and commenting on your um, shade of nail polish or you look really tired today. Um, And I know that men get those sorts of comments too, but men get them in a caring sense. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, Pastor John, you look so tired. Are you overwhelmed? And Mm -hmm. when I get it, it's Pastor Anna, you look really tired. Are you doing okay? Mm. Well, I am. Thanks for asking. And wow. also, I'm choosing not to cover my dark circles. I'm living into them. <laughs> what a nice choice you can make for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this sounds like we're going to have to have a whole other conversation once this gets finished, because I would love to hear even more about it. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks I for having me. Totally enjoyed our conversation. I hope that those at home are also enjoying it. And next week, we will have a friend of mine named Holly Schweitzer Dunn. She comes from the mental health profession, and I cannot wait to talk to her either. So thank you, Anna. And until then, namaste. Namaste.